Welcome to new episode of Mental Space. We are here to break stigmas about mental health, offer supportive content, and interest you in yourself. We are five therapists from Romania, Poland, India, Russia, and Croatia. We are offering you content about mental health, self-development, and therapy in general. In today's episode, we are introducing our therapist, Flavia Kardash. Flavia is a psychologist from Romania and she's living for the past two years in Denmark. She's going to talk about humanistic experiential psychology and movement and dance therapy. She's going to share more about her expertise, her approach, but also her experience. So stay with us and relax and dive into your mental space. Hi, Flavia. Welcome. It's great to have you here. Hi, Lana. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Flavia, I uh, am very curious to know more about uh, your work. So, uh, what's, uh, what is the type of therapy? How would you describe based on your education and the way you approach therapy? Can you share more about your work? Yes, of course. So I'm a psychotherapist and a psychologist um, from Romania, working in my private practice in Copenhagen, Denmark. And um, my uh, fundamental approach, uh, it's uh, humanistic and experiential uh, psychotherapy. Um, my first uh, training was in uh, expressive therapies, meaning that uh, I use art, movement, uh, dance uh, in my uh, approach, besides the talking part mm. and the verbal integration. Mm. And uh, I've been practicing uh, since uh, 2014, after I finished my training. Uh, and uh, now I started another uh, training in dance and movement therapy, which was uh, my passion since uh, the bachelor degree. Um, uh, I was very uh, surprised and uh, very excited to find out that I can use both of my passions in the same space, meaning psychology and dance, wow. uh, to support people in uh, their discovering journey and healing journey. Um, so since then, uh, I started my started my exploration um, on how to integrate body, movements, emotions, and the cognitive dimension in my approach as a psychotherapist. Um, before moving to Denmark, I worked a lot with uh, children and families. Uh, I was a school psychologist also, besides my private practice. 
Um, and um, I worked uh, a lot with uh, vulnerable communities where um, uh, drugs and violence and uh, poverty were uh, very um, impactful in those communities. And I learned a lot. I mean, this was my real life training. <laughs> And um, I'm very grateful that I had this experience. And I continued uh, working with uh, homeless people. Uh, here in Denmark, I collaborate with a foundation um, who offers uh, support for homeless immigrants. Um, and um, returning to my uh, approach, um, I try to always start from the present moment. What is the present pain or what is the present um, difficulty? And also what are the resources? When a client comes and uh, they're overwhelmed, uh, I... Uh, first approach uh, the resource part instead of uh, how uh, in a way we were educated also in my formal training to uh, maybe start to to dig deeper in the problem in the last years i discovered and i also practiced this uh, in a way discovering the resources first and then digging into the difficulty or the, the can, you, can you explain yeah, more why, why is um, why is important to focus on the resources first so um, when we uh, come to therapy we usually or maybe sometimes are overwhelmed and we need a lot of support. And in this uh, state, like uh, emotional and um, mental states, um, it's uh, sometimes hard to, to see what uh, are our, which are our um, resources. And, um, so when uh, I approach this in, uh, in the therapeutic relationship with the client, which is based on trust, on uh, uh, non-judgment, on, on a non-critical uh, attitude, and also very welcoming, um, and uh, together we put the focus on the resources, then we can prepare um, in a way, the uh, the inner system to uh, discover and to explore also the wounded or the fragile parts mm. inside, which are very activated or active when we feel overwhelmed or when we feel blocked or when we can't uh, 
function anymore. So accessing the resources is uh, a big part of creating the safety to go deeper and to see and to feel the, the things that we couldn't see or feel because we were overwhelmed. Could you maybe share, like, what are the example of resources, maybe for some of our audiences who are not aware of uh, the terminology? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, for example, one of the uh, resources is uh, courage. When we come to therapy or when we um, start to know ourselves better or to look at things that are inside or in our past or that uh, had an impact on our development then we we need courage and every person who takes this decision maybe it's about therapy maybe it's about something else that does good to us does has a good impact on ourselves we we are courageous, but because uh, um, sometimes we are overwhelmed, it's hard to see that we are courageous or to feel. And uh, another very important dimension uh, that um, I access and that I use is uh, to really uh, get in contact with how this courage feels in your body. Mm. What sensations come when you you access this resource when you say oh okay so i'm courageous how this courage uh, feels for me mm. this is coming with a sensation and i invite the person to just get in contact with what's in the present regarding this courage and it can also be like oh, clarity. Clarity is another resource. Or um, the uh, ability to connect and to ask for help. This is another resource. So it, it depends a lot on, on the person and on the period of time on their development. But we can always discover these resources mm. and feel them and uh, access them when we need them. So beautiful uh, what you said. And as I hear, it's uh, also very individual and uh, we all have that part of us resource that is like, I would say maybe unbroken, nonetheless of um, any situation or trouble we have encountered in our lives. So exactly. thank you for sharing this wisdom of your work. And I would also like to ask you, you mentioned that the way you work is also um, experimental and that you use movement and dance in uh, the work. Could you maybe share more about uh, about it? Yes, um, I worked a lot also with children. My PhD uh, was on 
personal development using dance and movement. Uh, wow, that sounds exciting. <laughs> for primary school children. And um, the goals of this uh, group uh, process uh, using dance and movement uh, were um, to support children in being uh, more empathic, to uh, be able to be more sociable and to um, diminish their anxiety and to also focus or uh, foster their uh, attention. And uh, through this uh, group um, uh, weekly meetings, sessions, uh, we uh, used uh, different uh, movements, games and exercises, uh, which put uh, the children together. And uh, for example, through mirroring exercises, uh, through uh, different, uh, using different images like animals or uh, landscapes or uh, natural phenomenon. Um, this way, like indirect and metaphoric way through movement. Um, uh, I um, created the space to support children in accessing their resources mm -hmm. and also see the resources in uh, the other children and find the support, the group support because most of the children came from uh, vulnerable communities mm. and they had a lot of uh, overwhelming emotions and uh, disruptive behaviors. So um, using the body and using uh, games that they enjoyed, uh, also uh, using dance, like the dance of emotions, um for example we uh, used uh, different uh, uh, music for uh, different emotions and they also besides dancing um, they also draw and then at the end of the sessions we talked in a circle together and we shared um our experiences and they shared their experiences in the group um, so that um, in a way uh, created the opportunity to to calm down in a way to to um, find the safety and also to uh, connect with each other using uh, mostly dance, movement, and drawing. Wow. And uh, what you say, I feel it's also fun for the children. They, they work on themselves, and especially if they come from vulnerable surroundings, uh, they are... Uh, so it sounds very beautiful, what you... the way you work with them. Thank you. And... Uh, <laughs> I would like to ask you if you could share also what what would you say are your main values in your work? Um, that's a very deep question. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I have a deep respect for 
for human beings in general and for the persons that decide to open up in this process with me. And I'm very grateful that I can witness and I can contribute to um, people's uh, development and life story. Um, so I have a deep respect for my clients and uh, I uh, create and I encourage uh, transparent communication. I always um, put an emphasis on giving feedback, meaning that I encourage clients to say, this is working for me, or this is not working, or uh, you said something that uh, in a way had an impact on me. Let's see what's about. Because for me, the most important thing is uh, the person's truth. And this is what um, I encourage um, my clients to share. What if we are in the right direction for them, or if it's something that it's um, not going uh, in in a way that they feel uh, safe, or in a way that uh, it's congruent with what they want from this process. So I always start with the present moment and the truth of the person. And uh, so uh, I, uh, I like to say that, and uh, I truly believe that the person in front of me or the persons in front of me in the therapy setting are the experts of their lives. And I'm here to use what I know uh, in order to guide them to find the best way in which they can and they want to develop. So I um, uh, really appreciate and value the uniqueness of the person. And um, also uh, I uh, really uh, encourage this uh, personal rhythm. I uh, have a, in a way, compassionate approach. And I encourage my clients to say, I can't go there right now. Let's, yes. let's not go there. I mean, in a way, respecting the clients um rhythm of development or rhythm of uh, healing i don't push i don't force we don't force anything the the person decides what's uh, best and when and how and just guiding mirroring and using what i know to support the person so the focus, the, it's person-centered. Mm. As, as I hear, like the process is 
happening mm. in the rhythm of uh, of a person so it makes it uh, organically and uh, more natural for them exactly and yes. they're the one who are as you said so beautifully they're the one who are experts in their lives who are there with compassion and as i see your work uh, your work goes very deeply yes as deep as <laughs> again um, the clients can and want to. Mm -hmm. So would you maybe have, uh, what would you say to someone who is uh, considering going to therapy, but maybe still has some anxieties around it? I would say that it's so natural and normal to have this anxiety uh, regarding an, uh, an unknown process and an unknown person like a stranger who the therapist could be in the first two uh, sessions and um, I really encourage people who think of going to therapy and have these anxieties uh, to talk about their anxieties even in the first session because we can work with uh, what is um appearing and what is in the present and um, anxiety or fear are normal sometimes in when we don't know what will happen and uh, also i encourage them to uh, get informed to contact the therapist that they uh, would like to work with and uh, ask them questions and uh, yeah, use this uh, clarification resource <laughs> that we talked about earlier, <laughs> because uh, it's uh, it's the right to to get informed, and uh, sometimes this uh, uh, in a way discovering new information could also support them in taking a a better decision regarding the therapy and the therapists that uh, they wish to work with. Speaking of uh, information, could you share where uh, potential clients or audience can find you? Yes, the, you can find me on Facebook, Flavia Cardas, PhD Psychotherapy, or on Instagram, Flavia Cardas Psychotherapy. And uh, very soon, on my website <laughs> looking forward and uh, Flavia as you know you have an office in uh, Copenhagen exactly it's uh, uh, in uh, Osterbro on Newhaven uh, it's called uh, Copenhagen Therapeuterne but you will find the details uh, in a uh, uh, link Below. And all of the links uh, you just mentioned, we will uh, post in the description of this episode so you can uh, find and reach out to Flavia. And uh, Flavia, thank you so much for your uh, wisdom, clarity and uh, amazing work that you do. And uh, now before we finish off uh, with, uh, with this uh, with the interview, 
would you like to maybe share what is your experience like as an expat in Denmark? You said that you came uh, from Romania, so yes. would you like to share some of your experiences? Yeah, um, so I came to Denmark uh, almost two years ago as I wanted to, to change something and to explore more opportunities. And um, because uh, uh, Denmark and Danish culture is uh, quite different from the from Romanian culture, uh, I tried to um, connect uh, or to get connected with uh, familiar uh, activities or familiar, uh, in a way, also persons regarding uh, language, meaning that I started to, uh, or I continued to play uh, African drums because I did this uh, back in Romania. I went to dance classes. Um, I connected with uh, Romanians. So I tried to um, uh, create a safer space for myself before uh, I, uh, in a way, dive <laughs> deeper. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my experience uh, till now, it's uh, very rich as an expat here. I uh, feel that I uh, went uh, deeper from one layer to another, also regarding the language, regarding knowing the, cu uh, the culture and uh, getting certified here and recognized as a psychologist. Um, my therapist told me uh, a very beautiful metaphor regarding my immersion in a new culture. Uh, it's like you are born again, in, but in another culture. So you start with small steps. You know, you're a baby, you don't understand anything <laughs> of what is uh, uh, around you or... Uh, what uh, language you hear and you start like with small steps to discover a new world I love it so much yeah it's yeah. exactly <laughs> the way it is yeah thank you so much uh, for this beautiful conversation Flavia if there is anything you need uh, it's important to say and you haven't uh, please share with us and uh, if not, uh, it was really a pleasure talking to you. It was also a pleasure for me to plan. Thank you. And uh, we will now uh, dive into something. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're done. <laughs> we can cut this last part. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will stop the recording, okay? <laughs> Thank you so much, Flavia, for your clarity and for your wisdom. 
I don't know about the rest of you, but this conversation was very deep and intense. We remind you that no matter how things difficult may seem, we all have inner and outer resources. We just need to remember how to connect ourselves with them. We also encourage all of you to be in contact with whatever is present and real in the now. Because in the end of the day, that is the only truth we have. Sometimes what is happening with us can be very challenging. For example, if we feel guilt or shame. And guilt and shame is the topic of our panel discussion. Stay with us because our therapist Agnieszka Kochanovic and me, Lana Kunstep, will take you into the exploration and share with you some different perspectives about guilt and shame. Welcome everyone uh, to our panel discussion today. I'm Agnieszka Kochanowicz and I have the pleasure to talk uh, to Lana Kunstek today about shame and guilt. It's, I think, super interesting topic. And uh, I hope we can bring a new perspective or more understanding of those uh, feelings or way of expression. Um, I would like to start, Lana, with this quote of Marshall Rosenberg, who said, never do anything to avoid shame or guilt. Can you explain more how do you understand this? this Hi, Agnieszka. Yes, it's, uh, it's, first of all, I would like to say it's a pleasure to have this important conversation with you, with uh, guilt and shame. And as the quote says, shame and guilt are feelings that we usually tend to avoid the most because they can be so painful and so destructive. And at the end of the day, they're hurting us more than they hurt others. So when we are avoiding shame and guilt, we are basically not making decisions about our life based on what we really deserve or what we really want, but in order to avoid a unpleasant emotions of shame and guilt and to understand more of that is to know that shame and guilt are just emotions and like with any other emotions if we allow them to flow if we accept them for what they are without reacting from them then we give them less power they become powerless over us mm -hmm. So just by naming and just by noticing the emotions in us, it's a way to... For, that's definitely first mm -hmm. step, I mm -hmm. would say. But to understand more shame and guilt, I would say uh, shame is shame and guilt come from, uh, from usually from our childhood, from our families and from the culture we are brought up in more as a emotions that uh, that serve a purpose to mold a certain behavior unlike uh, sadness or anger which are innate emotions we're born it we're not born with guilt and shame so babies don't feel guilt and shame, shame. Mm -hmm. 
it's somewhere around three or even more, then we start learning from our parents, our family system and our culture, what is what behaviors are acceptable and what are not. Mm-hmm. And uh, to feel a little shame and a little guilt, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. If that emotion flows, we get out of it. We learn what is social, socially acceptable and how to behave, how to be part of the group, I would say. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if we were shamed a lot and if we were criticized a lot, then guilt and shame can also go into the traumatic response to our surroundings. It means that it's too much of this shame and it's too much of this guilt. Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. And I would also like to say that uh, like the main difference with, between guilt and shame is uh, guilt is usually focused uh, on we did something wrong and shame is more about we are wrong. There is something wrong with us. And maybe you would also like to add Yeah, I also see the difference that uh, the shame influences a lot our body because we, we uh, feel this shame somehow in our body. We can have like warm or red cheeks and like we can sweat a bit or like we really want to disappear somehow, this kind of feeling. And guilt is influence more our mind, our thinking. That's why I also perceive that guilt is not a feeling, it's just thinking the way of thinking and um, it can bring us some sadness or it can bring us some other feelings related that we did something wrong as you said uh, but uh, it influences a lot our way of thinking i would say mm. and i like also very much what you said about the cultural uh, impact uh, on on the shame and it's It's really the way how we learn what shame means. Like we still have it like from the childhood that it's so difficult to relearn again, or like a new way of responding to this emotion. So it's very interesting. And I don't know if you see any differences between, you know, people in Croatia or like in people where you were traveling somewhere or here in, in Denmark, how they you know, perceive or how they react when they feel shame or what is, um, what's area of life is connected with shame because it can be also with the cultural influence. That's a, that's a great question and a great observation. And, uh, and I would also like to add that, uh, when it comes to culture, it could be so integrated within us that we are not even aware that we are feeling guilt and shame, which are, which come from our culture. And then like you and I as expats, then we can maybe have this knowingness. Okay, this is not, uh, I don't actually feel shame about this. This is something that comes from my culture mm-hmm. and people who now I'm surrounded with, they don't have the shame around. And then you start uh, questioning <laughs> your culture and how it influences your own psyche and perception about uh, reality that surrounds you. So definitely I can see differences between Croatia and Denmark. And there is uh, a lot of difference regarding uh, relationships, regarding uh, sexuality and uh, regarding, um, I would also like to say uh, social status. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I feel um, 
there is a lot of shame in Croatia regarding the way about uh, nudity and how like uh, uh, and how uh, and how body is uh, shameful and uh, here I see people are more open with that but I also what I would perceive here people feel maybe more ashamed about expressing emotions mm -hmm. than they do in Croatia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see some similarities also in the Polish culture, that also around the body or about the success in life and like uh, this kind of things. Even I think coming to a psychologist because you have some problem is also related to shame to many people because it yes. shows some, yeah, or like in, in their way of thinking about it, it means there is kind of weakness or they don't deal in life and they should. So it's like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, that I'm looking for a help or support. So I also deal with shame when they, when they sometimes come with this cultural or um, background. Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, it's definitely I would uh, I would also mention religion has also a lot to do with uh, with shame and guilt. The, the way we perceive this uh, higher power or spirituality mm -hmm. and what are the rules and uh, dogmatic perceptions around it can also cause a lot of uh, uh, feelings of guilt and yes. shame. Yes, yeah, I agree. And can we maybe focus more about the shame now like mm -hmm. to, to have you know, more attention on just the shame? Um, so yes, that's a, so when it comes to shame, shame can be, as you said, it's a bodily reaction. We feel like we're, are we blushing and we want to withdraw and in our body, we, it's more like a frozen state than like, unlike uh, some other emotions, which are like more active, like from a perspective of the way energy flows in the body in shame, it's so, so frozen. So when it comes to working with shame, when it comes to how to deal with shame is to understand that number one, it's the most important thing to establish safe space. So I would never encourage anyone to talk about shame or to feel shame, not even in therapy, because it has to come from the space. I am so safe enough that now I can talk about something mm -hmm. that I feel shamed about so it could never be forced or pushed because it's a very very delicate emotion i would say and in some maybe more severe cases it can also behave like uh, trauma which means the reason why i share that because usually when we are experiencing trauma our brains go into this uh, fight freeze or flight mode which means that uh, in the moment of trauma and severe shame we don't think clearly, we don't feel clearly, we are this, we're not grounded. We only have one option and that is to survive the situation. So when we feel that we're flooded over shame, sometimes we just wanna get out of it and we just want to do something that would keep us alive. And that is, that is automatic response. It's not something that we consciously choose. It's something that just happens. This is the way our brain works to to, to 
to keep us alive in a dangerous situation and perceiving shame can sometimes feel dangerous mm -hmm. so I, I just I, wanted to yeah i mm -hmm. just wanted to add it's not only the brain but it's also our nervous system absolutely the response yeah. is from the nervous system and i i as i hear it it's this uh, survival component in shame because it's really mm -hmm. the feeling wants to show us that we need other people to be alive, like to, to exist. So this feeling show us which needs are very important, like this acceptance, like safety, like belonging or like dignity. And the shame came when we don't have those needs met Absolutely. somehow. Yeah. That's why it appears because the group or like the relationship is so important because it's the is the survival aspect. Yes, for us, human beings. Yeah, and it's also very important, like as you said, that we we realize that this is normal. I mean, this this feeling, it's just because I'm human being and I want to belong. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that there are needs behind this feeling of shame. Yes, exactly. There are needs behind. And uh, the, I would say the first primary need in the, in the experience is the feelings of safety, to find a safe space to regulate the emotion mm -hmm. of shame. And uh, what does that mean? That means that uh, shame can cause... Uh, can cause a bodily reaction which is unpleasant so shame is definitely one of the most unpleasant feelings out there so to when you experience shame you can find your safe space if you want to talk to somebody who you feel safe with you can also ask for a hug you can touch yourself you can do some grounding exercise or something that would just allow you as you said nervous system that would maybe activate parasympathetic nervous system which is the which is here to to help us soothe and relax after mm -hmm. after stress mm -hmm. and also i would say to find the needs yeah what was so important in this situation that i felt this shame and yes. the, the risky thing is that when we notice that we are feeling shamed or we when we name it we even can feel more shame yeah have you experienced that that you know noticing yeah. that or like if someone will point me as oh are you are you feeling shame then i will yeah. feel even more shame that's why it's so difficult to really find a safe place as you said find the exactly. yeah the safe feeling to be with this shame and like uh, and try to understand it the role and yeah, exactly what mm, and as you said because uh, i can feel shame for feeling shame, shame. exactly <laughs> And uh, it's also, uh, shame can also be connected to other emotions. So we can feel sad. We can also feel angry. We can, uh, we can feel this uh, variety of complex emotions that are connected to shame. So, uh, but once we allow all of these emotions to flow after we, if we find the safe space, that is, a, I would say, the, the purpose of uh, releasing the shame mm -hmm. or allowing the shame i would actually use the word allowing the shame to allow all of these different emotions around it mm -hmm. but also to as we mentioned before to learn again 
how to express the shame, how to take the message from it, to improve also, not to react the same way as we react as a children when we learn that that time. So it's uh, it's also a very important moment to relearn this absolutely this way of expressing or like feeling it. And uh, the more we work with uh, shame, with uh, when we we allow the shame, and as you say, we name the needs that are around the shame and all of different emotions that are around the shame. We are already in a process of relearning because, as you said, when we feel this bodily reaction of shame, we mm. are in fact uh, frozen in time. So we, that is actually a reaction from mm -hmm. a child, mm -hmm. not from an adult. Mm -hmm. But now, mm -hmm. as adults, as a grown person, we have someone who is there with us in that shame, someone we never had as children. So we already can use that maturity and consciousness mm -hmm. to nourish ourselves and say, okay, it's nothing wrong with you feeling shame, but now I can, uh, now I can uh, choose differently. Now I can uh, approach it uh, differently. And as you said, would you maybe like to share more about uh, relearning? I think it's very important to... I think it's important to find the past experiences uh, and also understand what was important that time for me. I guess mm -hmm. that it's around this need of belonging, the need of acceptance, of being good enough, and so on, being worth, worthful, yeah, somehow for other people. So it's mm -hmm. very related with relationships, I'm sure, and, um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, the feeling around um, being a part of a group of a, of a relationship and this is also a moment that we should think about how we treat our kids or kids in our communities and it's a very important i think sign to follow that don't use shame to influence mm. the behavior of of your child of your children because then mm. you you give them the you know the heavy gift for the whole life somehow mm. Exactly. And it's a one thing to it's a one thing to address someone's behavior, mm -hmm. but uh, it's a whole nother thing to shame someone because because children then learn oh there is something wrong with me. Yeah. And they stay with this feeling like the yeah. next year. They grow up with this. And it's better to find a different solution. With yeah, interaction exactly. and communication with children than using shame and also guilt so maybe mm -hmm. we can shift a bit now to the guilt because we can also influence someone's behavior especially children when we use mm. guilt but of course please don't do it um, but guilt has also a lot of power would yeah. you like to maybe share more about, uh, mm -hmm. As about you said, guilt? The thinking about guilt appears when when we had this um, this, this like um, impression that we did something wrong it means i had a um, i had a choose between i had to choose between two needs like to take care of someone for example or go for my self development or like um, need of uh, have a rest or anything else like 
there's kind of a dilemma between two needs and I can choose something, but then there the thoughts will come, okay, I choose wrongly. I mean, I should have done something differently. So this guilt just show us it's, I, I understand it is an invitation to see what is important for you in life. Yeah, which needs again are important for you. And this is also the invitation to be more open for solutions because maybe you can integrate both of them, the need of giving and showing care or showing love someone and also to take care of yourself sometimes. So it's not um, the choose that it's only one option, but it's an invitation to be more open for, for solutions, for, for new strategies. I, I like so much what you said, and I think it's important to understand, like what you said, that in guilt there are two options. I'm either I either made a good decision or I made bad bad decisions. So we don't even allow our consciousness to to create uh, creative solutions mm -hmm. to so, maybe respond. Yeah. yeah, because we, I mean, the uh, our decision is always good, but we need to understand for what reasons, for what needs we have made this kind of decision and we choose those needs as our priority or as something more important right now for us. And when we exactly. have more understanding around that, we might have less those thoughts about being guilt, um, having, yeah, this. Would you like to add something? I would like to add that when it comes to guilt, it's also about we have this uh, fear around we're going to make wrong decisions or we don't even trust ourselves that we are able to that we're able to make good decisions. So in a way, we are like uh, repeating the, the experience from our childhood with somebody else would mold our behaviors. So we kind of feel that feeling of guilt is something that, or thoughts of guilt is something that is going to keep us on the right path. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like, if I don't feel remorse, if I was selfish, then I'm not a good person. So there's also a lot of conceptions around it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and what I wanna say about it, it's, uh, it's a one thing to be responsible because when we feel guilty, we are not responsible. It's a one thing to, to 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 take responsibility to even uh, to even say okay maybe I did made a wrong decision and maybe I did hurt someone with that and to choose I will not behave like this as a mature pers person but when it comes to guilt we sort of get into this victim mode in in our own consciousness so we are punishing ourselves for something which in a way nobody benefits not mm -hmm. even the person we hurt. Yeah, so I hear that you are inviting for taking the responsibility for what I have done and also looking for the solutions, how to Absolutely. fix it, how to repair, and what's the, the lesson learned from that situation. Absolutely, yes, Okay. exactly. Okay. And um, as you said, it's, um, it's also about honoring our own needs, mm -hmm. not, to, not to focus, oh my God, if I don't fulfill... Uh, another person needs i'm not going to i'm going to be left so then we can also say okay in this situation my need is that i need connection that is also 
reacting to our needs and to understand whether this connection is nourishing if somebody wants me to fulfill their own needs and not my own. So there is a lot of uh, a different, uh, different emotions and situations and dynamic mm-hmm. uh, around the guilt. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I also like it what you said and also like to find the, the feelings also around it because it, it's also connected a lot with with um, disappointment, maybe sadness, some frustrations, maybe that again it happened, and so on. So mm. this is also an invitation to find what I'm feeling right now, if the mm. guilt appears. Uh, and one more, th- one more thing I I wanted to add, and I just lost it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yes, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. So if, if, I'm sure we can continue the topic about shame and guilt. Absolutely. Uh, I would just like to say that what could be how to, if you feel guilt and you don't know how to get out of it, uh, the, first, the first step, of course, it's very individual. So we, we encourage everybody to, 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 to reach out if you're having troubles with guilt and shame and find a safe space with a therapist and uh, and uh, use any other tool of self-development. So we are here only having a conversation about a certain topic. And like what would I say is opposed to feeling guilty is to feel compassion to ourselves mm-hmm. that we didn't know any better. Even if we feel that we made a wrong choice, I can still love myself with that. I can mm-hmm. allow myself to... I can allow myself to be the person who made a wrong decision and still be with myself in that. Yeah, I like it. Thank you very much for sharing and for having this discussion with you, Lana. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I hope we will continue because I'm sure it's not everything what we could say about shame and guilt. And, uh, and definitely not. So I would like to invite all of our listeners, if uh, you have maybe your own wisdom about how to deal with guilt and shame and how do you perceive it in your life. And if you have any questions uh, in the description of this episode, we're going to have a link for our website. So we encourage and invite every one of our listeners to ask us and then we can address it in our next episodes. Yes, you are welcome and thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you. Bye. We have reached the end of this episode. I thank you for all of you who tuned in and also Aga for this important conversation about guilt and shame. I really hope you find this resourceful. We want to remind you that this is not substitute for real therapy. So if you feel you may experience mental health challenges, make sure to reach out to mental health professionals in your community. Our therapists are also here for you and don't hesitate to reach out. Remember, We are all creating this mental space together, so we would like to invite you to send us your feedbacks, questions, and perhaps topic ideas that would be in service to you. Until then, I wish that you enjoy this beautiful Scandinavian summer, and don't forget, 
every now and then just stop, take a deep breath and nourish yourself. Until the next episode. Bye.